Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I'm Cody Westbrook, and it's my privilege to be able to spend a few moments studying God's Word with you. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 John chapter 2, and we want to continue our study of this book by looking at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and following. This book has a lot to say about Christian confidence, the idea of being able to know and have confidence that we are right with God. We've talked already in 1 John chapter 1 about walking in the light as he is in the light, about the blood of Christ continuing to cleanse us from sin. We've looked at some of the purpose statements of the book, like 1 John chapter 5, little children, I write these things unto you so that you may know that you are saved, so that you may know that you are in a a right standing with God. But you know, as we think about our relationship with God, one thing that we recognize is that there are many things that try and threaten that relationship. One of those things is worldliness. John talked about that in the previous section of 1 John chapter 2, in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, where he talked about the love of the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world, he says. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Worldliness, materialism, carnality, those things certainly threaten to damage the relationship that we have with God. But there's another threat that John mentions beginning in verse 18, and that is the threat of those who are false teachers. The Bible has a lot to say in both the Old and New Testaments about those who would claim to speak on behalf of God, but in reality, they're only speaking on behalf of themselves, and their ultimate goal is to turn people away from God. In the Old Testament, for example, in the Law of Moses, The children of Israel were told that if a prophet comes and prophesies something and that event or whatever it is that that prophet prophesied did not unfold, then they were to view him as being false. Jesus warned of wolves in sheep's clothing in Matthew chapter 7. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, among other books in the New Testament, And in those books, often he deals with the issue of false teachers and their influence amongst the church at various places in the first century. Well, in 1 John, John is dealing with a major group that existed primarily during the first century known as the Gnostics. And the Gnostic doctrine, of course, had many different parts and tenets, but one of the primary Uh, concerns with the Gnostics is that they didn't believe that Jesus had really come in the flesh, that he was really more of an apparition, if you will, but that he never actually came in the flesh. And so as John writes in the book of 1 John, you'll note that he uses the term antichrist, and probably he has those Gnostics in the background because they stand opposed to Christ. 
But that term, Antichrist, certainly has some uh, more modern application as we study the Bible today. I want us to notice three points from 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 18. And the first is the reality of the Antichrists. And notice that we use the word in the plural, Antichrists. Look at verse 18. John says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now I want you to look closely at what he has said in 1 John 2 verse 18. First, he's identified a time. He says this is the last hour. And when John mentions the last hour, it's synonymous with the last days. Like in Acts 2 verse 17, when the apostle Peter quotes the prophecy of Joel from Joel 2 verse 28 to 32, and in Acts 2.17, he records Joel saying, in the last days, this is going to happen. And then Peter confirms that that day in Jerusalem, on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in that chapter, that was the last days. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Hebrews writer tells us that God, in various times and in various ways, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So in the New Testament, when we read the phrase last days, or in this case, last hour, we're not talking about some final days, eschatology, end of the world type of thing. What we're simply seeing is a reference to the final age of time, the final dispensation of time, if you will. It's simply talking about the Christian age. There's no other age coming after this one. So he gives us the time. Second, I want you to notice that John talks about the Antichrists in the plural. Now, you may know that there is a very popular false doctrine that exists in the world called premillennialism. And premillennialism, like so many other systems of a false doctrine, has a number of different uh, tenets and flavors to it. But one of the primary things about premillennialism is the insistence on the, um, on the arrival of the singular Antichrist. And premillennialists suggest that at some point there's going to be one person, one very evil, very powerful person, who will be this antichrist of prophecy. And that will, of course, be part of the whole uh, slew or the whole agenda of items involved in the premillennial narrative. But I want you to notice how John deals with that doctrine in one verse, because he says there are now many antichrists. So first, we're talking about more than one. Second, John says they're already here. At the time that John wrote this letter, 1 John, he says there are already many antichrists all over the place. He wasn't talking about one person to come some point in the future. He was talking about many who fit the same description. Now, what is the antichrist? Well, it is exactly what the name suggests, those who are against or those who are opposed to Christ. So the reality of the Antichrists, an Antichrist is anyone who stands against Christ, anyone who opposes his doctrine, anyone who opposes his church, anyone who opposes the, his plan of salvation, 
Anyone who denies that he's the Son of God, that he came in the flesh, that he lived and died on the cross and resurrected on the third day and ascended to be with the Father in heaven, anyone who denies his deity, anyone who is in opposition to Christ in any way is anti-Christ. Now, look at verse 19 as uh, verse 19 and following as John describes these antichrists even more. First of all, he says they are fallen away. In 1 John 2:19, he says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them, notice the them, the group, none of them were of us. Now, what is he describing? Well, the us that John is talking about, that's Christians, that's the church. And so what he's telling us is that these antichrists that were causing the church problem during the time of the writing of this book, that these were Christians. These were members of the church of Christ, and yet they had turned their back on Christ, and they had become apostate. They had apostatized from the faith, and so they were fallen away. You may know that there's another false doctrine in the world called once saved, always saved. And the idea is that once you're saved, once you become a Christian, you can never be lost. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what John is telling us in this verse. He's telling us that these antichrists were of us. Uh, out, they came out from us, but he says they were not of us. What does he mean by that? What does he mean that they were not of us? Well, he's simply saying that Think about the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils, as it's also called in Luke chapter 8. Jesus described four different kinds of soils and those four different kinds of hearts. And what he's simply saying is these are the kind of people who the seed of the kingdom, which is the word of God, never really was allowed to fully germinate and take root. And so they allowed things like, for example, the love of the world, John, 1 John 2, 15 to 17, to overwhelm them. And so now they have left the faith. In Acts chapter 20, we have a, a passage that would serve to illustrate this kind of thing. Paul is meeting with the Ephesian elders and he encourages them in Acts 20 and verse 28 to take heed to the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made them overseers. And the reason that he does that, he says, is because there's going to come a time when ravenous wolves are going to come upon the flock. And then he says, some of them will even come from among you. In other words, some of those ravenous wolves that were going to feast on the flock were going to come from among the elders to whom Paul was addressing in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and following. In 2 John 9 through 11, John describes those who are anti-Christ. He says, if anyone comes to you and doesn't bring the doctrine of Christ, if he bids him not, uh, brings not the doctrine of Christ, he says, he says, do not bid him Godspeed. In other words, don't have anything to do with anyone who doesn't bring the, the doctrine of Christ. Peter talked about this in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, the reality of those who were going to come. Now, he also describes them in 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse number 22. He also describes them as liars. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And then in verse 22 and 23, the latter part of 22, 
He says he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son doesn't have the Father. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So the reality and the description. John says there will be Antichrists, and there already were. And who were these people? These are those, he says, they're fallen away from the faith. He says they're liars, and he says they're deniers. These are those who do not bring the doctrine of Christ, 2 John 9 to 11. These are those who seek to make merchandise of people, 2 Peter 2 verses 1 to 3. These are those who stand in opposition to Christ. Now we have to watch out and be careful for these types of individuals because their practice, their influence, their teaching, it has the ability to it has the ability to condemn not only them but also all of those who will hear and agree and go along with what it is that they're saying. And so we have to be very careful because this type of thing, this type of individual, certainly uh, poses a threat to our good standing or our relationship with God. Now, how do we fight against them? How do we resist their influence? That's the subject of verse 24 and following. Notice now that John will turn his attention away from the Antichrists and to those who were faithful to Christ. He says, therefore, 1 John 2, 24, therefore let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it uh, has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, John mentions uh, two things in these verses. Number one... He says, I'm talking to you who know the truth. In verse 20 and 21, John said, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Now, what that tells me is that having a firm knowledge of the truth will help me to be able to identify and be able to resist those who are not of the truth. Again, Jesus mentioned those who were wolves in sheep's clothing in Matthew chapter 7, but he also said, here's how you'll be able to identify them. He says, you will know them by their fruits. A wolf disguises himself. He tries to make it to where you can't see his true identity, but Jesus says his fruit will indeed reveal his true identity. So how is it that we can arm ourselves against those who are false? Well, we can arm ourselves simply by knowing the truth, by studying the truth, by meditating upon the truth, by applying the truth. Remember the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Every one of those pieces of the armor of God are connected with truth or with the Word of God. And in fact, in Ephesians 6, 17, Paul tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So if we really want to prepare ourselves to defend ourselves against this threat, then we're going to have to know the truth. But second, we have to let the truth abide in us. 
That's verse 24 through 27, which we read just a moment ago. Notice he uses the word abide. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Now, this isn't the first time that John will write about things that that need to abide. If you go back to the gospel account of John, in John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home or our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In John 15, verse 1 through 11, Jesus mentions the same thing. I am the vine, you are the branches, and my Father is the vine dresser. He says in verse number 4, Abide in me, and I in you. In verse number 5, He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that's withered. But, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done. So, in 1 John 1, then, John uses this word abide again. And the word abide basically means to settle down and to make yourself at home. To settle down and to make yourself at home. It's a sense of belonging. Well, John says what needs to abide in you is that which, that which you heard from the beginning. Well, what did they heard from the beginning? We'll go back to the very beginning of this book. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life which was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. So the point that John is making now about abiding is connected with the point he made in verse 20 and 21. You see, we have to know the truth, but it's not enough just to know the truth. We have to allow the truth to settle down and be at home within our hearts, within our minds. We have to apply the truth and love the truth and and live the truth. And so John says, if what we know, if what we know, the truth of God, the gospel of Christ, the reality of the deity and sonship of Jesus Christ, if we will let that knowledge abide in us, then it will help us to walk in the light. 1 John 1, verse 9 and 10. And it will help us to resist those who are anti or who are opposed to Christ. So as we think about being confident in our relationship with God, we have to recognize that part of that confidence stems from protecting ourselves against those things that threaten it. One of those things is worldliness and materialism. No question about that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But another is those who are false. Individuals who seek to teach and influence for dishonest gain. Individuals who seek to turn us away from our Heavenly Father to teach things that sound good, but really are false and deadly and will separate us from God. That's the end of our study for this episode. As always, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen and to study God's Word with us, and we trust that that this Bible study has been helpful to you. 
We want to encourage you to visit our website, www.swcofc.org, where you can find uh, various uh, study resources, archive sermons, and links to the podcast and other uh, things from the Southwest Congregation. And of course, if you're ever in the Austin area, we want to invite you to come and worship with us. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends and your family all about it. And again, thank you for joining us. We look forward, Lord willing, to being able to open up God's Word again on our next episode and continue to study together the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.